Hello and welcome. Today I have with me Misty Bailey. Misty Bailey is a blogger over at joyfullyhomeschooling.com. She also has her own podcast. I know Sarita's been on it a few times. Um, Misty is here to talk to me today a little bit about the importance of reading with a special needs child as you're teaching them. So I'm going to let Misty do a little introduction to her family so you can um, get to know her a little bit more. Misty, tell me a little bit about your family. Hello, Stephanie. I'm so excited to be here. And I hate that you're all so pretty. And I'm over here in my stay-at-home orders drab and my little homemade office. <laughs> so isn't she beautiful, guys? If you're listening to the podcast, you can't see her, but she's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I have three kids and I've always homeschooled. My kids are 15, ninth grade. 13, eighth grade, and then my son Daniel is eight and he's in second grade. And Daniel has all of the needs dyspraxia, dyslexia, ADHD, dysgraphia. Um, my oldest also has ADHD, but um, he's really the one that we struggled with a lot as far as homeschooling in regards to his special needs. And I think that's about it. I have a husband. I do have a husband, um, <laughs> Mr. Homeschool. Um, and yeah, we live in Southern Ohio. Very good. Tell us a little bit about, I think a lot of parents do struggle with getting um, diagnosis for some of these things. Tell us a little bit about how you knew something was up and then how you proceeded to get the diagnosis as you need. Yeah. So with my oldest, um, she had these awkward, <clears throat> excuse me, she had these awkward quirks, I say, when she was little, and she didn't understand personal space, um, was very impulsive. And as a new homeschooler, I felt that people were judging me as a homeschool mom, that these were because she was not properly socialized. And so I got her diagnosed for me. And we just went to a local um, therapist and they talked to me and my husband and her and gave her the diagnosis. We never really had to make a lot of accommodations for her. Hers were more with ADHD with girls. It's a lot more, it's different than with boys. And so we didn't have to do a lot of accommodations. There wasn't really a lot to go along with her diagnosis process. We just kind of went along with life as normal. Um, with my son, we noticed very early on that he had a lot of speech delays and he was not just the hyper boy. He, I joke that I had made comments before him that I could never have a child like him. I, I couldn't handle it. My nerves couldn't handle it. And then God gave me him. He has a sense of humor and um, it, it was, it was different. He was very impulsive, very, I mean, he had a lot of broken bones, like did not understand safety um, but he also couldn't talk. He, his voice just, he, he wasn't there. He couldn't express his needs and we just had a lot of different things going on. Um, so I tried to get him a diagnosis to get the needs that he, like to get the therapies and things he needed. And we just kept hitting walls one after the other, uh, because of his age. And so we did do some speech therapy. We had to pay private for it, but we still didn't get his apraxia diagnosis because he was right there on the borderline of um, getting like meeting certain requirements for therapies. So we ended up just, I had to keep advocating for him, advocating for him. Like, you know, there's something going on here. I need to know how to serve my son. So we ended up having to go out of town for his diagnosis for both the ADHD and his dyslexia, dyspraxia, 
um, all of that. So we had to go to a reading specialist um, in Cincinnati, Ohio, at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. She was phenomenal. I absolutely loved her. I was in tears in her office. Um, we'll go into that, some of why that is here in a little bit. But she gave me the diagnosis, and then she told me, you know, he's in the absolute best environment he could possibly be in with you. And the same was said when we got his ADHD diagnosis. Um, with ADHD diagnosis with him, it was different because there was such an age gap there between my oldest and him. And so we had to do a, um, I had to do a teacher evaluation as his teacher, a parent evaluation as his parent. We had to do three or four appointments. I don't remember how many it was. Um, and it was a lot longer process, but we did finally get his diagnosis completely when he was five and then six. Interesting. Interesting. I, um, too have an ADHD child. So I had the same situation. I had mm -hmm. to fill out the forms. I had to have a bunch of, um, appointments and I, I'm kind of glad that they do that because I feel like they're watching out for the child and really mm -hmm. making sure that they're diagnosing it correctly. So yes, very good. Now tell us a little bit about how you can help your reluctant reader or your special needs child love to read. Yeah. So with Daniel, he had a really hard time at first with books and I was really guilty probably of taking the joy out of reading with him because both of my girls are avid readers. They, I mean, my, my youngest was reading chapter books at, in kindergarten, she was reading at four. My oldest also, my girls have always loved to read and I love to read. And so I felt like that was something I wanted to share with him, but I ended up kind of making it a chore for him because I turned reading into school. And so we would be reading books and I'd be like, you know, what's this letter? And, you know, tell me about this picture. And, you know, all of those teacher moments in there, whereas he just wanted to enjoy the reading and he knew he had, he knew he had a hard time reading. And so he wanted to be able to sit and just listen to the books without having to sound out the words and without having to turn it into school because school was so hard for him. He needed that to be a little bit separate. At least that was the case with us. Um, so a few tips I have is to one, let them pick their books. Um, and, and this is where I hope it's okay to say it, but I know with him, it was very important for him to be able to pick books he wanted to read. So like I had all of these nice, wonderful selections here, like Frog and Toad and Amelia Bedelia and all of those wonderful books. And he wanted to read Batman and superheroes and all of those what so many people would call fluff books but that is what got him into reading because again it felt less like school and it felt more like fun um for him and i think that was probably the best thing i could do for him is i just started honestly just letting him pick books and letting him um enjoy what he wanted to enjoy without me kind of picking and choosing great books what i thought was great books for him. Um, also, audiobooks have been huge for Daniel because a lot of the books at his reading level are babyish. He, he considers them baby books. Whereas, you know, he wants to read um, Magic Treehouse, Shiloh, um, Boxcar Children. You know, he wants to read those, but he can't read them himself. And so he really, really loves audiobooks. He will devour them. We use the Hoopla app, which is free through your library. And he will absolutely devour audiobooks. And that has really, really helped him love reading because he can do it himself without me. Very good. Um, so you sort of talked about this a little bit, but maybe we can dive a little deeper. 
you know, mm-hmm. at Sunlight, we know we have a passion for reading and mm-hmm. um, a whole, our curriculum is based on read alouds. So what, what did you find the importance of read aloud, reading aloud was to, I mean, think, I think you just kind of said it, um, but maybe you reading aloud to the special needs child. Yeah, so I think that for him, reading aloud, once once we got to the point where he felt like, you know, we, we let him kind of pick and choose his own books, and we, even with the read-alouds, you know, it was kind of sometimes some of the books weren't really books I would like to read, but we would kind of compromise, and I'd be like, okay, you know, I'll read this book aloud to you, and then next we're going to do this book. Um, and I think that helped a lot. Like, we read, um, you know, this year we was, we've been able to read the Little House on the Prairie books with him. And really enjoyed it. And Freedom Train and Charlotte's Web and, you know, those great books. But it was kind of a compromise. You know, we kind of, I let him choose and then I choose. And then he really got into them once I, once I chose them myself, you know, once he was able to choose too. But I think for him, it was really great to do the read-alouds because it introduced him to, you know, language before he could read himself. Um, reading aloud to children is an important part of overall literacy and oral language, which is very, very important with kids with apraxia. Um, because again, you know, he couldn't say some of those words, but he could hear them and, you know, he couldn't read them with the dyslexia, but again, he could, he could hear them and he was able to learn so much more just with that language. Um, reading aloud to children allows them to hear new and, you know, increasingly complex oral language structure and vocabulary. Um, and again, you know, if a child's reading difficulty is more severe, like it was with his, um, and we use that structured, you know, literature, literacy approach, um, he was able to then read the text more independently himself once he was introduced to those, to those words. And um, it's been special, you know, it's been nice, you know, once we kind of got his diagnosis and was able to give him a little bit of freedom himself, how much he has really, truly begin to finally love reading. Absolutely. That's all really good advice. And I think you're absolutely correct with all of it. Um, how do you think homeschooling, you said it, that the doctor even said he was in the right mm-hmm. spot. Um, how is it better for children with special needs? And specifically, how do you help your child learn? So whenever with Daniel, I felt very ill-equipped to homeschool. I'll be perfectly honest. If he would have been my first, I don't think I would have ever been brave enough to pull him out of school and homeschool him. Because we live in a society that tells us, you know, kids need all of this, these other interventions, which he did. But, you know, his learning for him should have been better done by the experts. But luckily, I had a fairly good support system um, at home to kind of help me with him. But whenever we did the diagnosis at Cincinnati Children's, um, I was terrified. I, I took a picture because I, you know, I'm looking at this screen and, you know, here's Daniel with this, with this woman who in my mind probably hates homeschoolers. She's probably thinking I'm doing this horrible job and she's talking to him and, you know, she tells me it's going to take this long. She comes back after an hour and I'm like, that's it. Like she's going to turn me into children's services. Like, you know, what's going on here? Um, and I took a picture and sent it to my mom. You know, I'm like, I'm scared. Well, she ended up coming in, um, inviting me into the office and she looked at me and I'm, I'm terrified and she puts her hands on my leg and she says, I just want you to know your son is so special 
and you are doing an absolutely phenomenal job. He is in the absolute best place he could possibly be. And I want you to know that before I go in, in with you over what's going on with him. And I bawled right there in her office because I needed that. Yeah. I mean, I did, I needed that. And, um, so anyway, she went over with me all of these interventions and, you know, I wrote down a few of them. If he was in public school, some of the interventions that they would do with him is one-on-one -on -one intervention each day for 15 to 30 minutes. That's homeschooling. You get that one-on-one -on -one intervention every day for well more than 15 to 30 minutes, a quiet space to take tests. Again, that's something you get with homeschooling. No time limits on tests. Again, that's something you get with homeschooling. Help getting papers to and from school. We don't even have that. Um, those are accommodations for ADHD. Um, if he was in public school, he would get speech therapy two to three times a week for 20 minutes at a time, and one of those would be in a group setting. At home, he was able to get three sessions a week for an average of 30 to 45 minutes at a time, all one-on-one. -on -one. Um, some of the reading intervention things that they would have done with him would have been, again, to take him out of class, you know, do that one-on-one -on -one reading with him, do kesthetic learning, you know, with writing the words and sand and those different things. Um, and he got all of that at home without going to school and getting that intervention. Um, a few other things, you know, with homeschooling with special needs is the child doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. And that was, that's something my son would not do well in a classroom setting. I know he would struggle. I've seen him in group settings with lots of other kids who don't know him. And it's hard with their speech needs in addition to the other struggles that he has because he knows he's different. Whereas, you know, all the kids that he's homeschooled with for all these years, they all know him. You know, they've all learned to understand him and he doesn't stick out as that weird kid. Not that he's weird, but you know what I mean? Um, he fits in at home. He has that loving, loving environment and is encouraged to learn. Um, his needs are not considered a hindrance like they would be in the public school system. Um, they can work at their own pace without feeling pressured to keep up with all the other kids in their class. And again, they get that one-on-one -on -one attention all the time, not just leaving the classroom for that intervention. He's constantly able to just learn at his own pace and get that, get what he needs without any kind of paperwork or IEP or ETR, or all of those other things that you would have in a public school system. Sorry if that was really long. I'm kind of no, passionate about that. No, you're absolutely correct. You're, I mean, right on the money with all of that. So it's very true. You get to not only spend time with him, but you really get to individualize his learning um, and adjust it for him, which is great. Now, do you follow a routine or a schedule and what does that look like? Yeah. So with kids with ADHD and I'm, I mean, I'm going to focus first with just Daniel. Um, routines are huge. They're very, very important for kids with ADHD. So one thing I do with him that I did very differently with my girls, you know, with my girls, you know, we kind of, I kept them together when they were young and, you know, we did our lessons, you know, all around the table and our bright and beautiful schoolroom. And, you know, we had that picture perfect ideal homeschool setting that you dream of. I, I really did have that <laughs> with the girls. And, um, you know, we got all of our stuff done by lunch with no problems. And again, then, you know, the Lord blessed me with Daniel. He's like, hey, Misty, I'm going to break up your, you know, ideal little setting there. And so with him, school has always been a little bit different. Um, you know, we actually had to 
the, the, the big fancy schoolroom um, with all of the distractions didn't work for him. And so we kind of just do school one-on-one -on -one at the table. And I normally, what I do is I take a stack of things that I want to get accomplished during the day. And so I get our stack and then I divide it up into four piles. And each pile is about 30 minutes of um, material if, you know, we sit and work straight through it. And then I just let him pick like, okay, you know, what pile do you want to get done first? So he'll pick that pile and we'll do it. And then we'll take a five to 10 minute break. Then we'll come back, do the next pile, take a five to 10 minute break. And if we're not done with all of the piles by the time his attention span is gone, then I don't finish it. Like, you know, I know his needs. I know what he can handle. And, you know, he's got a time frame in his mind when he knows school's done. And if he's been working diligently and that pile might take longer than, you know, what I expect it to take, then we just roll over that last pile we didn't get done to the next day and start with it. So our piles tend to be like, you know, we've got our reading and our math. We've got like our history, our science, his speech homework, handwriting. Um, we do flash, we do flashcards, you know, like his um, times tables and those sorts of things and sight words, um, those were kind of like all our little piles. And at the end of the day, like I said, if it's not all done, that's okay. As long as he's worked diligently, because like I said, he, it's, it's different. It's different with him. So as you're reading, do mm -hmm. you have any tips on keeping wiggly and fidgety children busy while reading aloud? Yeah. So I let Daniel build with Legos, blocks, draw, any of those things um, with him reading aloud could be, you know, him jumping on a ball, you know, just moving. Um, <laughs> sometimes he does like push-ups <laughs> or sit-ups or anything um, while he's reading with his audiobooks, He really likes to build Legos and he can build more um, complex structures while listening to an audiobook than he could without listening to an audiobook. His focus is longer, honestly, while listening to something and working with his hands. Um, his focus is just a lot longer. And I don't know what it is, but, you know, he can. He can take an audiobook and go listen to it for hours and build and, and play and, and be absolutely focused on what he's doing. And same way with reading. He could sit and listen all day long, you know, to me reading to him um, while he's doing things and keeping his hands active. And that goes back to my expectations, you know, um, I would have never been okay with that. Even like when I first started homeschooling, like, no, you've got to sit still and listen and read and have this picture of us on this couch together, reading this wonderful book, like all the, you know, catalogs show, but reality with a kid with ADHD, that's not always what it looks like. And I think sometimes we need to change our ideals and change our expectations and just accommodate our kids the way that they can handle things. There are times I take the chair away. Like if mm -hmm. he's doing math or whatever, I just take the chair away. I'm like, yeah. stand. Why don't you just stand? And he bounces around, but he still gets it done, which is perfect. Thank you so much for that advice. One more question. Any tips on helping a child with special needs learn? So you have experience. You've shared some of them. Um, anything else you can provide uh, any parents that it might be navigating this at home? Yeah. So. What I'm gonna say is a little bit controversial. And again, I hope it's okay. But again, we made, you know, with, with my oldest, we were able to, um, she was able to learn without very, without very little accommodations, you know, uh, and she did great with her ADHD. 
with Daniel, we didn't end up needing medication for him. Um, and I know that's, that's a controversial thing out there, especially in the homeschool market. Um, I did a blog post on why we chose it that if you want to, you can link to later. But for us, it made a huge difference for him only because he had so many other things going on that, you know, the therapist sat and told me, she's like, his mind is going so fast that he can't slow down to do his speech. He can't slow down to, to learn to read and, and to focus on this because his mind is just going a hundred miles per hour all the time. Um, I remember after we first started him on the medication, um, he went from knowing 10 sight words to over 40 in a matter of two months. Um, also one day we were learning about pirates and, um, I was standing at the map showing him where pirates may have hidden in Madagascar and he got excited about learning. And we had this moment that I had so many times with my girls that at six years old, seven years old, I never had with him. I never had him fully engaged in learning and it made a big, big difference, um, for him. Again, that was for us. Um, in addition to that, um, if you know, if you're not medication, not ready for that, um, interest-led learning was huge. Um, that's something the therapist, too, uh, at the Reading Center had told us, you know, let him pick what he wants to learn about and roll with it. Um, he does really well with unit studies because it's not jumping from subject to subject to topic to topic to topic. Um, he does really well with that. Eliminating distractions, again, our nice and beautiful schoolroom was distracting uh, to him. It did not work well for him. Shorter lessons, um, setting a timer, you know, like, okay, if you give me 15 minutes of solid focus doing this, you get a five minute break. Um, we also did a reward box. And so if he went, um, like all, all week without whining about school and with getting our piles done or whatever we needed to do, then uh, every day he could put a sticker up. And at the end of the week, he would get to pick out a piece of candy and like a prize from the dollar store. And that's something that the therapist recommended to us that he loved. And he decorated this treasure box. Like he was so excited about it. Um, and I never, I was never a sticker chart parent, but for him, um, it worked. So um, noise canceling headphones is another one. Cause again, that eliminates those distractions um, around you. So those are just a few things that we found um, that helped a lot. That's great advice. I might take some of those things. Into my <laughs> well, thank you so much, Misty, for joining and sharing all of this about um, homeschooling your special need child. I, I am so appreciative of it. I hope that um, our audiences too, I'm sure they will be. And I just can't thank you enough for joining me. Thank you, Stephanie, so much for having me. It was fun. Bye, Misty. Bye.